Welcome to episode 60 of How About the Huskies. As always, I'm Connor, joined by Madden Andrew. It's crazy to say episode number 60. It's The time's flown by since we started this podcast, and I feel like as our episode number goes up, so does the talent level of these UConn Huskies. It keeps on getting better and better as UConn beat St. John's this weekend by a score of 77 to 64. They're 20 and two overall. They're still number one in the country. That rankings came out earlier this morning. I mean, we're running out of superlatives for this team. I mean, no Alex Caravan. You're down a guy who's played in every single game for the past two seasons. How do you respond? Do you think maybe, oh, this is a trap game? St. John's is a tournament level team on the road, even though it's at MSG and there's more UConn fans there. You thought maybe this is a trap game? Nope, win by 13 easily. I mean, the growth of Stefan Castle is where I'm going to start because he was Big East freshman of the week. I feel like he probably should have been up there for Big East player of the week. I know Quincy Olivari from Xavier had 43 points against DePaul. That's tough to beat if you're anyone else in the Big East for player of the week. But Castle against St. John's, 39 minutes, which is it's a lot. That's one minute on the bench, probably less than a minute if you look at the official box score. He had 21 points. He had three rebounds, two assists, but he's just playing with a confidence level that we haven't seen for him yet. He went two for two from three, hit both of his three-point shots. The first, His first shot of the game was a deep three, and he nailed it. I mean, the way he's playing, I feel like I, – I said this last episode too. I believe if he's playing like this – there's no weakness on this team, at least in the starting lineup. So massive game for Castle. We'll get into the rest of the guys in a minute here. But how, what was your guys' reaction to that game against St. John's? I mean, I just want to start with the whole Castle thing. I mean, people, I'm going to specifically call out my brother here because he was, he was when Castle went down with his injury, he hadn't looked fantastic against, you know, Northern Arizona, Stonehill, Mississippi Valley. Yeah, Valley. I don't. I wasn't concerned about that. He went down with injury. Yes, sucks. Get over it. Came back. He looked a little shaky, but again, he was injured. And the people were like, oh, Castle's all this talk. This is why the rankings are always wrong. And now those people are eating their words because he just had back-to-back 20-point games and was the um, player, what, the freshman of the week for the fifth time in six weeks, something like that. So it, I don't get the whole – overreaction in general with UConn basketball. That's the one thing that bothers me with everything is overreacting about everything. Give it time. I mean, he's not going to be Michael Jordan fresh out of the gate. You know, he's now proving himself that he is the five. He did deserve the five-star that he got. And I really do think that if he keeps this up, he's a lottery pick 1,000%. But just my message to all of UConn fan base is about everything. We could have a whole hour-long episode about things that UConn fans have overreacted about. Just stop overreacting about everything, please. You say lottery pick. I think that's a bit of an underestimation. I feel like him and Rob Dillingham are the two best point cards coming out of college, and I'm not entirely sure who's going to go first if Castle keeps playing like this. Sitting one minute in a game at MSG, putting up 21 points is something that we haven't had in a long time out of a freshman. Um, just the ability to you know run your sets with – like like just perfection with no matter who's out. I mean, Caravan missed this game. Obviously, Diara slides in. We talked about that. That was my player to watch. Only had four points, but he did have two steals. He disrupted the offense, like I mentioned in the last episode. Um, So, I mean, there's just so many moving parts uh, in this team, and I feel like, you know, they're all coming together right now. Obviously, you don't want to have a slump. You're 20-2. and I feel like you're bound to lose one or two more games regardless. So, 
you know, you just want to keep it going, stay healthy. Caravan missing a game isn't the end of the world, uh, especially, you know, after taking a win against St. John's like that. So I feel like this game just as a whole, you know, showed a lot about who they are and, you know, what they need their guys to do and what they expect out of their guys, you know, and just guys stepping up. Yeah, one of those guys that stepped up, even though this isn't too far off from a normal game from him, Cam Spencer, 23 points, 5 for 7 from 3. He's the guy that struggled in that Providence game earlier in the week. I think he went 1 for 8, if I'm not mistaken, from distance. But for him to make five threes is huge. I mean, he just has his best games at Madison Square Garden. I mean, he's the team's 4-0, UConn, at the Garden this year. He's averaging 20 points per game in those four games. You all remember the Carolina sequence he had where he was getting the crowd all pumped up he's a guy who if he has that energy every game which he does it just gets under the opponent's skin and I know that the student section for St. John's was trying to talk to him and at the end he was waving goodbye with the L I'm sure you all saw that clip it's just he brings the fire that you need on a in a winning program and if you have that fire usually the guy with the fire isn't a guy putting up 23 points do you have those guys combined I mean Cam Spencer is one of my favorite Huskies in a long time what did I tell you? My player to watch. I knew after a bad game he was due for a good one, just like the Kansas and UNC game. I told you guys he was due for a good one, and he honestly, he's also one of my favorites. You know, I'm not going to lie. At the beginning of the year, I thought that he was um, – I can't believe I said this because I'm going to sound like a complete idiot, but I said that his game was too boring for him to be good at UConn. Uh, boy, was I wrong because he is a perfect player for Hurley and the Huskies. And I really just wish he was a freshman. I wish he had four more or five more years here. So I'm really happy that, that he's a Husky, but I'm just going to say right now, I told you so. And there was a lot of chatter uh, when Spencer first committed here, you know, especially from Rutgers fans and whatnot, saying that he's kind of a one-trick pony and that he tends to disappear, you know, throughout the season. We haven't really seen that. I mean, guys obviously have off nights, but I feel like out of all of our guys, Cam Spencer has probably had the least amount of off nights. He's been on almost all year. He's been one of our most important players and just his ability to move all over the court. He can play the two, the three. I mean, he could bring the ball up if you need him to, but that's more of a dire situation. But, you know, just that consistency from someone that, you know, last year we sort of missed. Um, Hawkins, towards the end of the season, got a little cold. Uh, Joey Cucatera was good, but he was not to the level that Cam Spencer is right now. So kind of having that just consistent piece is something that we needed, especially with all the guys that we lost and all the maturity that we lost. Uh, bringing in Cam Spencer and him and Castle combining for 41 points is just, you know, that's invaluable. Obviously, he's taking a lot of threes with us, and we all we knew he's a good shooter, especially from last year at Rutgers. But I just pulled up his like career stats right here on Sports Reference, and He's he's 60 for 134 from three this season, which is good for 44%, 45% rounding up. Uh, his The most threes he's taken in a season is 167. He took 166 last year, so he's right around that 165 to 170 range. I mean, we're 20 and two. How many games realistically? We got at least 10 to 13 in early exit. Potentially, what, 18 games left if we win it all? I mean... He's going to take almost 300 threes, it feels like. But I don't know. Just having him, he wasn't just a shooter like like in before he came to UConn. He's not just a shooter here either. But we're certainly using him in that 
realm. I mean, he led Rutgers in scoring last year, only making 72 three-pointers. He's 12 away from that total this season. He still has a month, two months pretty much to go. So the, the way that he's improved his shot is just awesome to see. I mean, we, we knew where we were getting, but we're getting more than what we expected from him. And when our guys make our shots, the, the, the court is just so much more open. They mentioned uh, Castle, you know, on his threes. They kind of call it the Andre Jackson defense, which is where they just sag off of them, don't really guard them around the perimeter. But when your guys like Castle and Spencer are just this lethal, like they have been from behind the line and, you know, just all over the court, it just opens the offense so much. It opens up baskets for guys like Kling and like guys like Sampson, for guys like Newton who love to – cut in the paint and just get easy buckets. I mean, if UConn keeps playing like this, I, I'm not sure they're going to lose again this season. But obviously, you know, stuff like this, it's not bound to hold up. You're going to have off nights. So, I mean, but if you can hold on to this sort of, you know, shooting spark, this hot streak that seems like it's been all season, I mean, there's no way you're losing another game. Yeah, I feel like it sounds crazy to say, but if you look at it, I don't I don't think it's crazy to say that this team has the potential to go 38 and 2. I I don't I don't think they will. I'm not going to predict they will. I hope they do, but yeah, I'll leave that at that. We talked about Castle and Spencer. The third guy really in the big 3 in that win against St. John's, Tristan Newton, played 37 minutes. Spencer played 39, like Castle also played 39. A lot of a lot of heavy minutes for our big three in the backcourt there, but Newton had 18 points, 10 rebounds, and seven assists. That's, I feel like that's another thing. I feel like 10 rebounds, seven assists, we kind of aren't that surprised that Tristan Newton did that. Maybe we would be last year, but this year's Tristan Newton, a first-team All-American, a lot of people are saying, because we're this good and he's probably our best player overall looking at stats, stat-wise. But one thing I noticed from this game that really – was not there in the Providence game was the free throws. We really struggled from the free throw line and we took a lot of them. We went 20 for 22 against St. John's. That's 91%. Newton went 10 for 11 himself after missing six of them. So you need to be able to make free throws to win games, especially in March. I mean, you look at that 2013-14 squad. We had Shabazz, but I don't think they missed a free throw all tournament or something. They definitely did, but some crazy number like that. They felt like they were they couldn't miss, but being able to hit 91% of your free throws, that's more than enough, I feel like. But, yeah, Newton had a great game. He did have six turnovers, six of our 13s. But I don't, I didn't really think he played that bad. So maybe the six turnovers just for, like, in not important situations. But besides Newton, Klingon, another game where he was in some foul trouble. He only played 16 minutes, scored five points, had five rebounds, a couple of blocks. Sampson had four rebounds. He went two for seven from the field, which – I mean, that's not atrocious, but that's definitely has to be his worst of the season. He's a guy that usually only dunks. So for him to miss five shots, I mean, that's not something you usually expect out of him. And let's see who else quickly go down the line. You mentioned Matt Hassan Diara stepped into the starting lineup for the first time this season. He played 30 minutes, went two for four from the field, a couple of nice, nice layups inside. He also had five rebounds and a couple of steals. And then off the bench, along with Johnson, Stewart and Ball each played nine minutes, and they Ball hit a bucket. Stewart didn't score, but yeah, that's pretty much everyone. I expected a little more out of Stewart and Ball with no caravan, but clearly we didn't need it. 
Yeah, and the discipline from Klingon uh, is coming a little bit of a problem. I'm not sure. Um, oh, sorry, Andrew. I didn't realize that <laughs> you wanted to go, but I just wanted to talk about just the discipline of Klingon a little bit. Um, this is a reoccurring theme now. Just got to be more patient in the paint. I um, honestly, this is this sounds crazy, and this this isn't real at all, but. I mean, maybe starting that small ball lineup against smaller teams. That way, Klingon could be more effective towards the end of the game. I'm not sure if that's any better or that's any help. But, I mean, we just have so many options. I just feel like, you know, you could do that and it won't really hurt. And obviously, it's not because of Klingon's skill. It's just so you can have them in more valuable moments. Yeah, I do want to touch on that. But the free throw thing, Connor, like you said, with the 2014 team, that was one of 101 of 115, 87.8% in that entire tournament, proving that free throws wins tournaments. And the record holder before that, what do you know, St. John's, with a way less amount, 47 of 54. But anyway, um, yeah, the clinging discipline foul thing has definitely become an issue. It's definitely hurting his stock as well. I mean, are the – it's a weird situation because the refs definitely aren't helping him out. But, I mean, you're the biggest – person on the court at all times unless we're playing Purdue like he's got to learn to go straight up instead of leaning over because he leans over they're going to be trying to bump him all the time they're going to try to hit him right in the chest and get the foul but if he goes straight up then the bump isn't going to happen and they're going to be going in for which will make it a foul an offensive foul so he's just got to learn to just put his arms up he doesn't even have to jump he's just he's got to learn some kind of discipline on how to just go straight up instead of leaning in because block shots are great yeah but a lot of the times if you just stand straight up you're going to block the shot because they're not going to try to go into you if you're just straight up so I don't know what it is with him right now but there's something's got to be done about his discipline on the low post one thing you can take away from him being in foul trouble and Samson being in foul trouble and Caravan not playing is you can have a little fun with the lineups which Hurley did because obviously there was a point in the second half, Donovan had four, Samson had four. There was seven minutes left, maybe. You don't want to have one of them out there just in case they foul out. So what does Hurley decide to do? You have Yusuf Singare sitting on the bench. No, we're going to put Stefan Castle on Joel Soriano for a couple of possessions. I mean, it worked. I don't. It, it, clearly, it didn't hurt the team. Soriano's uh, top 10 in the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar center award whatever watch list and you just throw your point guard on him or one of your shooting guards whatever you want to call castle i mean that just shows how versatile this team is you can't just take anyone and throw them on soriano even if it's for a couple possessions like you couldn't do that with tristan newton so that just shows how defensively sound stefan castle is for a freshman i mean i don't know i thought he'd go to singare there or maybe pl play samson with four if he fouls out he fouls out but no, that's Dan Early for you. Never the obvious solution. But we'll talk about St. John's for a brief moment here, then we'll move on. I mean, not much to say. They're they're probably a tournament team, but they're 13 and 9 right now. They gotta kinda start winning some more games down the stretch here to secure their bid. But I mean, Danis Jenkins, who we saw against Iona last year in the tournament, we also saw him, of course in December against us. He had 19 points. He was on fire in the beginning of the game. He hit three. He went, I believe, four for four in his first four shots. Three of them were threes when they were up early. 
But besides that, I mean, RJ Louis had 11 points off the bench. Chris Ludlam had 10 points. We really con- contained Joel Soriano. He had 14 and 11 in that matchup in December against Samson slash Caravan because Klingon was out in that first matchup. He had six points and four boards in 33 minutes. So it was, a, I assume it was a one of the main agendas was to control him down low, and they did. And besides that, they really didn't do anything, St. John's. I mean, our buddy Naheem Aline, who we'll talk a little bit more in a couple minutes here in a new segment, or at least new for this year's segment we're going to be doing, he had four points, two for three from the field. But overall, just I never really thought the Huskies were going to drop this game, even when they were down by one point at halftime. It's just there's just more talent on UConn than there is St. John's. St. John's certainly is. They're not bad, but it's just they're not better than the number one team in the country, 20 and two. I mean, that's there's not much more to say. I mean, UConn is number one, and they're going to stay number one until they lose, which may not be for a while. I mean, they're, they're, they should, fingers crossed, sweep this week against Butler and Georgetown. If they don't, something really wrong happened. But I don't know. Just, just buckle up if you're a UConn fan. That's all I'll say. Do you guys got anything else about this St. John's game before we move on? I just had a thought about Castle. Um, just quick call back to the start of the year. We were talking a lot about, you know, potential recruits coming in and, you know, the impact that Steph Castle might have on that. And I say that he's meeting all the expectations, you know, especially coming into his own here. So I just have a feeling that if Castle can get a top five pick, then, you know, things are going to be looking a lot better for us. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's just it's just such a bonus to have. Like, if you're Dan Hurley and Kamani Young, Luke Murray, if they're still there, hopefully they're still there. That's not a conversation for February 5th. But you look at look at how we developed. Sure, we, we developed Castle. He was already at the five-star. But you get five-stars that turn out to not even go pro because they phase out. I mean, just because you're a top-rated high school guy doesn't I mean you're automatically a lottery pick. But we – turn Castle into a lottery picture. A lot of it is his talent, but I'm the way Danny Hurley coaches and all those coaches coach, this certainly is a major factor. But yeah, I mean, I'll close out on that thought. Castle has certainly played his way into that lottery discussion. I know I see people going around talking, is he really a one and done? Is he really going to stay just the one year? Is he a multi-year project? No, he's going to be done in two months from now. When the national championship is going on, it'll be his last game as a Husky. But yeah, I, I'm not going to jinx anything. Hopefully, we, we're still playing in two months. But let's just move on to this new segment I hinted at. We're going to take a look at how the Huskies who transferred out are doing in college basketball. Obviously, the transfer portal is a significant thing in the sport nowadays. We have, I believe, seven names here we're going to talk about. You guys can throw in some thoughts about the players if you want. I'm sure. I'm not really following a lot of these guys, so I don't know much about how they're doing in games. I just have the numbers here. We'll start with Naheem Aline, who we've seen a couple of times this year with St. John's. He's mostly coming off the bench for the Johnnies, averaging six points per game. It's about what he was averaging last year for us, maybe even a little more. I feel like he was around the four and a half to five range for us. But he's, we know Naheem Aline. He's a solid player. He's he went to St. John's for a bigger role. He went there early, and they recruited more guys out of the portal, so he kind of got bumped to the bench. But, yeah, he's just a solid three-point shooter. He's shooting better th- this year than he did last year for us, but he's still 
This is still a second worst three point shooting season last year, which is worse with us, which is surprising. But yeah, just a solid role player, a guy I miss, but we're okay without him. I feel like you guys got any thoughts on him, or should I just keep rolling here? Keep rolling. All right. We'll, we'll stay in the Big East. We'll go to our good old friend Corey Floyd of Providence, who, based off of necessity, has entered the starting lineup because of Bryce Hopkins' injury. He's averaging 3.5 points per game, three rebounds, and just over an assist per game. He's playing 21 minutes. He's he's not a three-point shooter. He's shooting 16% from deep this year. That's 0.3 attempts to get made out of two attempts per game. That's... It's not very good. He's shooting 33% from the field overall. He's just, he's not having a great year, and he's been asked to do a decent amount playing over half the game and being a starter. And Providence is kind of a bubble team. So I don't know. I'll, I'll let you guys talk about Corey Floyd, what you think about him. I'm just honestly going to read my, my uh, comment right off Twitter because this was going around today. A Providence account asked, why do we hate him? I don't hate him. Um, I, I mean, do I think that choosing to not play for UConn and then going right to our rival is a little weird? I mean, sure, but I have nothing against the kid. I mean, I've wished him well. Um, I, I I just think it's kind of a weird situation that he, um, committed to UConn and then redshirted and just went right to our rival. Um, I just wonder a lot why he decided to redshirt, like knowing that would be nice, no matter what the reason is, um, but, yeah, I mean, I have nothing against him. I hope he does well. But it's just, like we've said a lot of times, it's just a little bit of a weird situation. Yeah, and, I mean, you can't – like, it's not a personal thing. It's it's obviously not a personal thing. I obviously don't know the guy. But, I mean, just from what we're seeing, it just doesn't look like he's good enough. I mean, at this point in the season, he's playing over 20 minutes a game, and his impact isn't really there. I mean – for all the steals that he, you know, forces on the defensive end, he turns the ball over just as many times. He's not blocking any shots. He's not scoring any points. I mean, he's not really setting up many shots. His uh, season high on assists is four. But, I mean, since he's taken over the starting role, he hasn't cracked any more than two. So, I mean, it could it could just be like uh, he simply isn't good enough sort of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this season he maybe found somewhere else to play where, you know, his talents could be utilized a little better. But... Just doesn't really seem like the fit at Providence. Yeah, Providence last night. This is just talking about the Friars real quick. They lost sixty-eight to fifty against Villanova. They only had four guys score. Corey Floyd was not one of those four guys. I just can't imagine. Imagine a UConn game where just four guys score. That's not even the whole starting lineup putting points. That's Providence. They're still on the bubble for the tournament because they had a pretty solid non-conference play with Bryce Hopkins, but. With how good the top of the Big East is, I don't think they're going to end up having enough wins to to get into the big dance. Let's move on to the next Husky. We'll do him real quick because there's not much to say about this guy. A national champion, though, Yaron Hassoon, who I'll just be quick. He's playing for uh, Southern Indiana, the Screaming Eagles, which is a very phenomenal uh, mascot name. He's shooting one for 10 from the field this season. So he has scored, which he did not do last year. And he is 0 for 8 from 3, like Corey Floyd, not much of a three-point shooter there. And you guys got anything real quick on Yaron, or we just keep on rolling? I mean, I was going to say something about Providence. Um, They're going to be – if you watch college football, this is going to be real quick. They're a Florida State, you know. Well, not as good, obviously. But they're good. 
But just without your best player, I mean, obviously what we've seen from them has not been good since they lost Bryce Hopkins. It's a sucky situation, um, but they lost their best player and they're not going to get into the tournament because of it. Yeah, it's just unfortunate for them, but we'll keep it rolling real quick. Jalen Gaffney, who we probably should have, not should have, they didn't win, but we easily could have seen in the national championship last year with FAU. He's coming off the bench mostly still for the Owls. He's averaging six points per game. He's a guy, he, I'm happy for him. I was happy, not that I'm not happy for any of these guys. I'm happy for him because he's found his home. He's found his role on a very good top 20 FAU team. We'll just... I'll go. We'll do rapid fire here. Rasul Diggins, he's a guy who was kind of a miss. I feel like for our recruiting, a miss is in like maybe he wasn't good enough to play for UConn, but he's certainly more than good enough to play for UMass. I don't, that's kind of a. I'm not trying to be a trying to diss UMass for being lower than us because they are, but twelve point eight points per game, two assists, starting point guard. I mean, solid, but a guy that really interests me the. Second to last guy we're talking about here. You may not know this guy's name because he played what? I'll look right here. Two games for us, two minutes before he transferred out midseason. Javante Brown, who is now at Western Michigan, the Broncos. He's averaging 9.8 points per game and 4.7 rebounds per game, the seven-footer. He's coming He's coming off the bench pretty much entirely. He, he's transferred to Texas A&M after us, and he started for the Aggies a little bit. But, yeah, he's averaging almost 10 points per game off the bench. Let's pretty solid. I, I don't miss him. I never really got to know him, so I don't really have any opinion on that, but the last guy, a guy who a lot of Huskies fans love, a cook, a cook. He's at West Virginia now. Remember, if you guys recall, he had that health scare right before the season. He had, I believe, a heart something. I don't remember exactly. I don't want to be wrong, so I'm not going to assume, but he's played 14 games with West Virginia. He started seven of them, so he's in and out of the starting lineup, averaging four points and three rebounds. He's Let's see how he's shooting. He's shooting 29% from threes. He's only playing 16 minutes per game. He's pretty much the backup big man for them, but he's still playing college basketball. He's healthy, so I'm happy for a cook. Yeah, and you could tell that injury really kind of derailed his career. I mean, even the following season for UConn, we didn't really play him that much. He obviously had lost a step, and that's the thing with your Achilles. I mean, you tear it, it's over. It's very few athletes that fully come back from an Achilles tear. I thought a cook was on the way to the NBA. So, you know, it's pretty sad to see someone, you know, as dominant on the defensive end like he was kind of just uh, flame out over at West Virginia. Yeah, it just goes to show how if you – any dreams like that can go away in an instant if you get hurt, like especially the Achilles, like you mentioned, even like an ACL, anything that knocks you out for like a year, it's just tough to overcome – in college. I think now we'll move on finally to the Butler game, the game tomorrow or tonight, whenever you're you're listening to this episode. This is a game. Obviously, we beat Butler earlier in the year. We've never lost to Butler. We're eight and zero against them all time. But this is I have similar vibes that I had before that Xavier game at home. I remember if you guys recall, I was kind of skeptical. I thought if we drop a home game, it's this one when we were playing Xavier. I'm not saying we dropped this one, but Butler's they're, they're better than I feel like people are making them seem. They're 15 and 7, 6 and 5 in conference. Their last games what scares me. They played against Creighton. I don't know if you guys saw this. They won 99 to 98 against Creighton in regulation. It wasn't overtime. It was just they put up 99 points on a top 25 defense and they in won Omaha, on the road. Yeah. Yeah. 
on the road in Omaha. So we can't do. Yeah. So that's that part of that makes me a little worried. I still feel like we're better than them, but I don't know. How are you guys feeling going into this one, seeing the matchup? I like that this one's at home. I mean, coming to this point in the season, it's you know, you want to play these bigger games at home towards the end of the season. You have Hall at home again. You have Nova at home, but you got to go on the road, Marquette and Creighton. So, you know, this is one of the ones where if you did go on the road, I mean, I would be a little more nervous. But um, having this game at home to me is a big deal. Um, first, this one being played, it's being played at the XL Center. Uh, obviously, you want to have this ones like this at Gamble, but I mean, hopefully it's packed. I mean, I won't be there. I'm not sure if any of you guys will be there, but, you know, this is a game that you should win. You know, don't let the hype get to you. Yeah, Tuesday night game. Don't know how the crowd is going to be. Um, and I feel like it is a little bit of a trap game, but I feel like we've learned our lesson with those. So I don't, I don't think we lose this one. I think it's it'll get off to a weird start, but I, I, I'll bet we win this one. Yeah, I agree. There's no world where Butler should beat us. They certainly can, and good chance they will be competitive like they were last time. I have last time's box score up here. We won eighty-eight to eighty-one. That was one of our games without Donovan Klingon, though. Caravan had 20 points in that one. Newton, 17. Castle, 14. Spencer, 14. So overall, great team effort. I feel like the key to really securing this one is to try to limit their best scorers. I mean, their three best scorers are Pierre Brooks, DJ Davis, and Jamil Telfort. They each had 22, 19, and 16 last time. If you, you can't have... Usually you don't allow three guys to score 16-plus points and you find a way to win the game. Obviously, we had a massive second half in that game against Butler and pulled it away. But you limit those guys, especially with the way Castle's playing. I feel like he'll certainly be on one of those three. They're all pretty much the same size wings. Castle will be on one of them. I'm sure Newton will be on one of them. It'll be – I feel like we were down by seven at halftime last time against them. I don't think it'll be – the game will even be in question at halftime this time around. But – pretty much all I got from this one not much more to say yeah last time we played these guys uh Caravan was the debatably the best player on the court 20 points five rebounds shot four of six from three 70 percent from the field um it's gonna be great to have him back you know if everything goes well you know doesn't re-injure himself and having clinging back um those are two big guys there that you want to have on the court um, kind of moved Samson to that bench roll who shot four or five last time. So I feel like overall we're going to be, you know, a stronger team than the last time we played them. I mean, last time we played them, we put up 88. You mentioned the game that they just played um, in the high 90s. So I feel like, um, you know, we're we're able to play the game how anybody else wants to play it. We can play those 64 to 60 matchups, but we can play the 90 to 95 matchups too. So you know, there's obviously worry. It looks like a trap game, a very explosive team. But, <clears throat> you know, I feel like we have all the tools to play a game like this. Yeah, I got a couple of points here. I'm on Twitter right now. I Just a couple of things I see, then we'll wrap it up. The first, apparently, UConn is opening up as 16.5-point favorites over Butler, which I feel like that's a lot of points for a Butler team that's 15-7. and seven. I don't I could see this being potentially we won by seven last time. I could see this being a 10 to 12 point game. Even if it's a game we know you're gonna win. Kind of like kind of like that Georgetown game at home. What was that score? I gotta I gotta look now. I can't just guess. I don't remember. 
Yeah, at home against Georgetown, we won by 13. I could see it, us winning by a similar margin in this game. I feel like 16 and a half is a lot. So I, if I was a betting man, I almost guarantee I would take Butler plus 16 and a half. But lastly, more important information regarding the game that's nothing to do with the line is there's reports Caravan has practiced the past two days, according to Hurley, and he's looked good. But it's, they're saying he's likely a shoot-around slash game-time decision. I mean... I personally don't think he misses two games in a row. I was surprised he missed the one game. And I feel like especially since he missed that one game, it just allowed him to rest up for this one against Butler. So I'd expect him to go, but apparently it's not 100% yet. They could also just be saying that to throw off Butler's game plans, and I'm sure they're seeing those quotes. But expect Caravan to play. I mean, if he doesn't, you can come back to this. But I expect Alex Caravan to play. He's a trooper. He... I'm happy he sat because we won. If he we lost and he sat, I'd be a little more upset. But yeah, he's he's gonna play. I it, it would take a lot for him not to. I think that'll do it here. Episode sixty, the big six zero. Unless you guys got anything else, I don't. I don't think you do. Oh, Matt, you got something? I got a player to watch. <laughs> oh, I forgot the players to watch. I was so. That's on me. That's like the first time it's ever happened. We're good. I figured I would just jump in, kind of save the day here. Uh, I'm going to roll with, if he plays Alex Caravan, I want to see how he comes off his last performance against Butler. Obviously a very high-scoring game. I feel like we're going to have some very high scores. So I'm going to go with Alex Caravan if he plays. If not, Stefan Castle, I feel like, is going to have his highest-scoring game of the year. So those are my two guys. I'll go next. I'll I'll make it very quick. You know, I'll I'll keep it to like five words. Donovan Klingon play twenty minutes. Yeah, um, this is a rough one, but I have players to watch. I think that Spencer, Castle, and Newton are all ah yeah are all gonna get over fifteen points each. This sounds like a damn betting podcast, but I feel like they're each gonna get fifteen points, and then their own special ways I guess I don't know I think that it's going to be a weird like high scoring game but we win like it's going to be like a um, like that Creighton game against Butler because obviously Butler's defense hasn't looked great um, but their offense really has so I think it's going to be high scoring but I think that line of 16 and a half I would hammer Butler's plus 16 and a half again if I was a betting man yeah it sounds like we're chefing up a how about the Huskies parlay? You got to take Butler plus 16 and a half Carab or not Caravan Newton 15 or more Spencer 15 or more Castle 15 or more Klingon 20 plus minutes and then Caravan to play. And if you hammer that, you'll, you'll be a rich man, but I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Episode 60 as always. Thanks for watching. We'll do another one in between the games as always. It's not going to be as exciting as a recap, unless this is an exciting game, but yeah, that's all I got. That's all we got. Thanks for watching.